0: Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Joe Casada, and you are listening to The Marvelist with
2: Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson.
1: Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And joining us on the other end of the tin can string, we are joined with... Somebody that I've been trying to get on this Here Fine program since our show started in 2018, and it has finally come to fruition. That long? Yeah. Wow. I've been trying for a long time, and it finally happened. Got to actually talk to the man himself at New York Comic Con for a little bit. But this man is a comic writer, a comic artist, a comic creator, all sorts of different things in the realm of comics. And chieftain. He was a chieftain, a high muckety-muck at the House of Ideas of Marvel Comics. He is going to be going over to the distinguished competition, DC Comics. And he is also responsible for, in the 1980s, saving the video game industry, the mid-1980s. We are joined with Joe Casada. Joe, good
2: evening. Hey, how are you guys? How's it going?
0: See, that was a moderately meandering, somewhat long intro. Usually it's about three or so minutes.
2: That's okay. You know, <laughs> I, uh, had, I had things to do. I ran out to get some groceries, came back, you know. I figured I'd give you guys some time.
0: <laughs> Multitasking, and he likes what he does, too. I meant you, Joe, not Pete. Oh, I like what I do. Right. Yeah, true. Okay. No, but this is this is a great treat, and, uh, you know, comic book aficionados, even on a minor scale, know who you are and uh, long association with comics in general, and we are just tickled, so to speak, that uh, you could join us and uh, greatly appreciate it.
2: Well, listen, I'm more tickled than I am, and, uh, you know, I'm really flattered you guys asked. So um, it has been a while, but I'm glad I have the time to do it now.
0: Mm-hmm absolutely where do we begin like your start how old were you and what comic books you were drawn to started reading all that well no
2: I, I started reading comics at a perfect age uh i was eight years old my father introduced me to uh to my very first comic which was amazing spider-man um i've told the story a million times but you know, for those that haven't heard it i guess i'll tell it again uh, my dad had i'm not sure if he would seen it on seen him on TV. I read it in the newspaper. My, my dad devoured the news all the time, and, and he, he told me about this guy named Stanley uh, who did this book called Spider-Man, and uh, there were some books, issues that he wanted to read, and because my dad had seen the news, and, and Stan had... Uh, it was the, the anti-drug story that Stan did, right? of those issues ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere in there. And um, the news had covered it because the Comics Code was not going to uh, bless me, to speak. But my dad, you know, thinking in in wisdom, what a great way to teach my kid about these evils. So drug drug addiction, Um, but comic, you know, fun drawings, superheroes, stories, and a message. So he took me to the candy store, he picked up a couple of the issues that had already been out. I read them. I fell in love with comic books. I fell in love with Spider-Man and Marvel right at that moment. Um, And what my dad didn't realize was, uh, well, yes, I did not become a drug addict. Uh, and but the addiction he created ended up probably costing him a lot more money in the long run <laughs> oh jeez
0: well you, you know what in in a sense too we we know the messages with putting these out and whether it's because of the uh, current events of the time I think in a sense maybe as a parent it may have helped um bro- breach the the topic of this to to teach their in this case of course yourself about mm-hmm. certain matters and so it helped break the ice maybe mm-hmm. even too yeah
2: yeah, I mean, listen. To be honest with you, the, you know, I grew up with this incredible fear of drugs and uh, making, you know, that it's afraid that they, you know, put me on top of a building. And I think I could fly and jump mm-hmm. off, right? You know, so uh, as a as an eight-year-old kid, that sort of thing is just like, oh my god. Um, but I did fall in love with you, man. The fact that you lived in Forest Hills, I lived in Jackson Heights. I could get on my bicycle, and about 15 minutes. Be somewhere where Peter Parker lived. Yeah. Uh, that was the grand fancy, even though I know it wasn't real. The 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 fact that it took place in New York and that I could see Peter Parker, or imagine Spider-Man swinging across the city. The, those were the great things about those Marvel comics that I fell in love with.
0: But if you had the actual address that they published in a comic book, then it would have taken it to another level.
2: It, it would have. It would have been a little creepy. I don't know if I would have done it. <laughs> and actually, an eight, year old, eight years old, you know, Forest my bike uh, my parents would have been upset if I disappeared for that long.
0: Good point. Absolutely. Peter.
1: Now in regards to Spider Man, Spider Man is a character that you were synonymous with over the years, especially, you know, your involvement with the character. The uh you know
2: Yeah, I killed him. I, killed Spider-Man. <laughs> I didn't I even know I didn't even we, know he was... Marvel stop Marvel stopped publishing Spider Man. There are no Spider Man movies. He is not the huge franchise that he was before Peter. Just, I I I did my job. I firmly buried the character, he's gone from existence. Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's all good.
1: It's (laughs) funny because, like, the street vigilantes are, like, what you are synonymous with. You know, you got your start at DC with characters such as Asriel. You end up going over to Marvel and working on characters like Daredevil, revitalizing a character, you know, with trustworthy Kev Smith, and seeing Mm -hmm. these characters, you know, what is it that draws you to the the street vigilante characters?
2: i attracted to uh, the characters that are closer to human, and and think that's why I relate to Spider-Man. I relate to uh, Matt Murdock and Daredevil and Batman. You know, it, it, I relate more to them than I do to, let's say, Superman and or, or Thor, for example, right? That 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 have these abilities that go way beyond. Again, I, and probably why I also gravitate towards Marvel because I, I believe that. In that sense, Marvel characters were more grounded in in the sense that, you know, they they lived in the real world. They lived in New York in L.A. Um, And I always felt as a kid, there was a disconnect between Metropolis and my world. Um, And again, that's not a slight to D.C. They do something different than what Marvel does. So um, and some people prefer that fantastical element. Right. And that's what makes comics great is the fact there's audiences for all these characters. That's why they've endured for so long and become iconic because there are people that, are, that will follow them. You know, it's just, you know, some people prefer, uh, you know, fantasy adventure. Some people prefer sci-fi adventure. It's, it's that sort of, uh, the difference between the universe, the two universes, I think, is unique. But being a New Yorker, I tended to gravitate towards the grit, towards the more human, um, towards the fact that, you know, Daredevil could break his leg, if you, you know, if he jumped off the roof the wrong way. So mm-hmm. um, that was always, you know, what I preferred. But, you know, to each their own.
1: And, you know, when it comes to the street vigilante characters such as Daredevil, you know, the relationship you have with Kevin Smith and, like, being able to go off and do that, how did that come about?
2: You know, that that came about. Um, of, Kevin and I had become friends um, long before Marvel Knights launched. And we all, we both, uh, along with Jimmy Palmiotti, we spoke of our love of Frank Miller's run on Daredevil and the Senti's run on Daredevil. Um, and just the beauty of that character, how Shakespearean he was. And, you know, playing fantasy, football, comic book publisher, creators, we always said, boy, it'd be great to really do a run on that book someday. And that was the extent of the conversation. And then when uh, Marvel Knights came to be and Daredevil became ours, uh, the first person we called was Kevin to see if he wanted to do it. And he jumped right on board. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened between that or after that. But we were lucky to, uh, to get those issues out of him, and, and quite frankly, um, I think Kevin, Kevin's jumping on board, not just with Marvel, but into the mainstream comic biz, was a real turning point for the industry, which was going really in a bad direction. Um, and you know, I'd like to say that really, Kevin saved the comics industry in, in, in so many ways, because he also opened the door for other creators from Hollywood and from other worlds of uh, uh, the other worlds, the entertainment, uh, sort of, you know, planet entertainment, however you want to call it. They decided, hey, look, comics seems like a cool place. And they came into our sandbox and started playing, and things uh, things ended up okay.
0: Well, was it because, Joe, that uh, in 1998 Marvel was going, headed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, um, that the idea for something, I want to say darker, came up, and who called it Marvel Knights did one thing precipitate the other, or just a combination of things?
2: Um, I, I don't know. The, the name Marvel Dance came from Jimmy and I. It did not come from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm sure of. Which one of us came up with it exactly, I couldn't tell you. Uh, and I don't want to be presumptuous that say it was me. Or I, 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 I just know it came from our camp. Um, the idea of doing a darker universe, that, that really wasn't anybody's, uh, I get Marvel but that was again that came directly from Jimmy and I and the characters that we asked for. Um, we asked for the darker more grounded characters and at the same time we also asked for characters that we knew did not have series of their own that were either currently running or very successful. I mean Daredevil was on the verge of cancellation, literally was on the verge of it by the time we had gotten it. So um, It's just what we gravitated to. I mean, I I think Jimmy was very much like me in the same way, that that we just liked the street-level characters. It's just something that we enjoyed. So we kept it in our wheelhouse. Um, And I think that's also one of the reasons why it was so successful, Um, because it it was, you know, we were writing what we knew. We were editing what we knew. It was very, you know, New York as well. Um, Yes, The Inhumans was a little bit different, but... Uh, Even Black Panther, you know, one of the things, when we were talking to to Christopher Priest about it, uh, was suggesting that uh, Wakanda, again, it it goes back to that thing I was just talking about with with Metropolis, right? Wakanda is an amazing place, right? But in in the Marvel sense, we wanted to reintroduce Black Panther and ground him in our world and then go to Wakanda, right? We wanted to play it the other way around, instead of the audience being the fish out of water, let's have Tashala be the fish out of water. Let's see how he works and uh, and does his thing in our world before then we're introduced to the world of Wakanda. And and uh, I, I think again, Priest just knocked that out of the park, and uh, it was a great reintroduction to Black Panther. And you know, um, again, we've got a great movie coming out, so uh, I, I attribute so much of that to to Priest.
1: Now, I do have to ask you something, though, because you just said grounded, and Mm -hmm. part of Marvel Knights with uh, that era was the incorporation of the Punisher, and I kind of am a little iffy on that, like, a little bit, because when you look at the background of the Punisher, like, all the wacky misadventures the Punisher has gone through, Marvel Knights literally starts with him as an angel of death, like, literally from heaven and hell and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. and I just want to know, like, what is your favorite wacky thing with the Punisher? Because, like he's, let's see, some things. He's uh, teamed up with Archie, he's teamed up with Eminem, he's punched <laughs> <Yeah>. polar bears. <laughs> There's you so know, much.
2: I think you hit on it. I think the Archie one was probably, uh, you know, if anything, the marketing for the Archie crossover was, was, was pretty awesome. Um, so, I, but I do remember that one, that one fondly. That was before Marvel Knights, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing with, with Punisher, he's a very, very tricky character, right? Because he is you know played a certain way he becomes you know less than even two-dimensional he's one-dimensional um so we we tried something different always knowing that you know we can go back um and you know as much as people want to criticize that run or not criticize that run, it still did pretty well and bernie wrightson knocked it out of the park so uh you know we're proud of all those books and, and, and 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 uh I think, uh, I, I, you know, it just it just started opening people's eyes and and uh, brought some renewed interest for at least those books at the time.
1: With the Punisher, a character who's also punished in space, by the way, I want to point that one out.
2: Yeah, um, well, <laughs> written by one of my favorite people, Frank Carey, Punisher in space. We joke about that all the time.
1: What is the one Punisher idea like that was proposed to you guys during your time at Marvel where you're just like, that that's a bit much like just like that seems really weird even for Punisher
2: oh man you're, you''re you're asking me something that I honestly could not tell you I mean a lot a lot of those uh, Punisher stories happened before I was even editor-in-chief um, so yeah I, I off the top of my head I'm sure there's something out there but off the top of my head I can't tell you really
0: well you know even further back before that I remember there being the Punisher Christmas special the I summer special mm-hmm. the back-to yeah. school special. <laughs> just- You know, maybe that was the impetus or the incentive for what later became what you guys did. I I don't I don't know. Yeah. And now going back over to the uh,
1: street vigilantes with Daredevil. One thing that, you know, you mentioned some of the runs, the Frank Miller, the Annie Inocente runs. Mm -hmm. Daredevil is a character that has like the strongest track record with talent where every single run is just as good as the other, if not better. You know, you, like, again, mm-hmm. you just mentioned, you have, you know, also the run with yourself and Kevin Smith. You have the Ed Brubaker run. You have mm-hmm. uh, current, you know, uh, Marvel, uh, and you're, you're also DC co- uh, co-worker Chip
2: Zdarsky. Uh oh, <laughs> Chip, Zdarsky. <laughs> Chip Zdarsky. You ever see the, I'm going to really date my it is but there's, a, there's an old Abbott and Costello routine,
0: Susquehanna Hat Company.
2: Oh. That's how I feel every time somebody mentions
0: That is That is funny, I, I can hear that, yeah. Yeah, um, no, you're also forgetting
2: Brian Bendis, you're yes. forgetting David Mack, I mean, it, you're, you're right, yeah. It, it's, it's a character that has attracted uh, top line talent, and, and, and I, especially in the, in the world of writing, because um, again, the character is so experience. There's so many ways of playing Matt Murdock and, and so many stories you could tell. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's just the incongruity of, 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 of you know, uh, a man of faith who dresses up as the devil uh, and a lawyer who practices vigilante justice at night. Um, and then add to that the fact that he is sightless, but yet uh, – I mean, it, it also – this depends, right, on who's, on who's writing the character. Some people write him with uh, that sort of radar sense, and some people write him more uh, along the lines of just just you know, uh, combining all his existing senses to create sort of images in his head, which is, which is kind of my preference. Um, but it all works. It all works and it, it, because there's so much grist in the actual structure of the character, even before you start writing a story, that he just lends himself to grist great drama I think and uh, that's what attracted me to the character uh, and I think it's it's probably the same if you if you ask other people who worked on him as well
0: This show is brought to you by our Patreon Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists and on the $3 tier you'll get access to episodes early and ad free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows One Fantastic Voyage where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, Pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice, or perhaps you can be a guest on the Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. With uh, with respect, Joe, to another thing that I guess you were maybe in the forefront of as far as the issues themselves, and it's uh, you know it'll be a little sore, sore spot with me, but as far as the oh, no. uh, double numbering stuff. Uh, I mean, I know I understand. Yes, I guess to do to boost sales, perhaps, and make re, you know remake number ones again. So I guess part of that question is, you know, like Stanley's character did in Thor with the pickup truck trying to pull out Mjolnir.
2: Did it work? You know, I, I, I think to some extent it did. I mean, you have to understand the, the double numbering thing started out. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, an official Marvel policy. That is something that I, I started doing with Daredevil. we were at Marvel Knights, where I would I would I forget where I placed it, but but I, I would do the double numbering, just because I liked the legacy numbering, but I also understand on the business side the need for the new numbering, right? And 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 you know as as much as look, as a fan, I would love the numbering to just continue and and we never had to rely on a number one unless we were really launching something completely different than or a character, or a second title, or, a, you know exactly what I'm saying, but mm-hmm. uh, so, so emotionally, I love the legacy number uh, from a business side um, strategically I understand why you have to relaunch, right, and, and that's it's simply to just entice the audience I mean, it's as simple as that If it didn't work, uh, then publishers wouldn't be doing it. You know, is is there a law of diminishing returns? Perhaps on some books, perhaps on other books, no. Um, It's hard to say. But the industry has always existed this way. It's it's not anything new. Um, When we were on the newsstand, it might have been a different business, but now, you know, direct market. People are looking for, you know, that thing, that, that, that launch point, and, and, and it, it has proven to be beneficial. It's it, it's hard to argue um, with City Hall and, and, and essentially the numbers. It, it, it's the same thing with, you know, I remember back in the day when there were, you know, hundreds of different X-Men titles and fans were complaining about how many X-Men titles were. Well, you know what? Yeah, but they're all selling, right? Wolverines in every book. Yeah, but that helps... Move units, and that predates even my time as editor in chief. That's just that's you know these are tales as old as time. Um, it, it's you know it, these are just strategic and business issues that get made up and down the line to keep books alive, to keep books healthy, to keep sales healthy. Because there is a natural attrition that happens, no matter no matter who you are. Very very rarely it does happen, but it's a very rare occasion that a book launches high with a number one, or even just launches with a number one, which is generally going to higher than any of the other issues and number two starts to sell and and suddenly you see numbers start going up it does happen but you know in the history of comics it's very rare to see something like that especially for ongoings uh very rare and that's that's why you see a lot of this it's just it's just strategy business and 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 it's you know uh numbers people looking at numbers and saying oh okay well you can't argue with the numbers
1: When I got uh, back into comics in 2011, it was the new 52. So, you know, seeing a new number one Batman book was enticing to me. And I was like, okay, I want to get in as well as also, you know, ultimate Spider-Man, which literally that, you know, I think a week after came out and that was the day, you know, not the debut, but like the first ongoing of Miles Morales. So like that was even more like that you guys, you guys in DC both got your hooks into me. And you know what I mean? Like it, continued
2: you know and and that's and that's the thing we forget right as as you know my starting point for comics is is different than than both of yours i don't know if both of you came in at the same time but everyone has their time when they came in (sighs) and and you know and and usually a number one or a crossover uh a character changeover a character introduction like miles Morales, something uh a big status quo change in the universe something attracts a reader to come in a new reader to come into our world or a lapsed reader to come into our world. And, 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 you know, so then those of us who have been reading longer than, you know, the new readers go, you know, ah we, you know, we forget that we were once new readers ourselves. And, you know, that's the ongoing case with Spider-Man, right? It's, a, you know, and, and, and Stanley's mantra, one of his mantras, which is, you know, every comic is somebody's first. So, you know, it's another thing we have to keep in mind as we produce these books, especially when you're working with long-running IP, is that you have a fan base that's been around for a very, very long time, but you want to extend that fan base and make sure that the next generation is coming in and you're tracking even more so that you can build on that business model, right? And, and so, so it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act because you're, you're going to anger someone. So you're going to anger somebody somewhere down the road, or you're going to alienate someone somewhere down the road. So you have to, you know, you have to balance this stuff. And uh, I know from the reader's side, it, it, sometimes it seems infuriating and tough to take. And I understand it. I always understand it. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it, it's the world of, of publishing and, and, and comics and business. I mean, these, the big IPs, I mean, they're, they're businesses. They're businesses and they keep lights on for many, many people.
0: Then you must have definitely heard the uh, biggest complaint that I have, which oh, is no. the 2014 Marvel Now run, where the numbers are on the bottom of the comic books. So for filing, it sucks.
2: <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Big time. I get it. You know, um, and, 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 you know. Again, we we ha- if, if you only heard the internal conversations we have about this, right? Because we have different kinds of people at editorial, you know, and and some are purists and some are are not and, and some are more business by, you know, we, we, but it's, it's, at the end of the day uh, we have to settle on what is the healthiest for the life of that comic and the life of that character. And look, we don't bat a thousand, nobody bats a thousand, you know, and, and, uh, uh you know, I, I, don't mean to be speaking as if I'm still working at Marvel, strategizing on this stuff, but I could only speak to you from my experiences at Marvel and, and what was going on there. And I, sh- and I'm going to assume because we're all in the same business, that many of these same business strategies are discussed at DC. They may have a different philosophy about it, but you know I wouldn't know because I was, you know, inside their walls when they were making those decisions.
1: Now, in regards, you know, to Eddie's grief, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, wow, continue to kidding me. I, I think I was going to bring it up. I'm like eh, Eddie will bring it up That's on his exactly own. That's exactly right. Yep. Mm-hmm. In regards to, you know the realm of comics just one of the things that people love is you know the first appearances and you're responsible for some of that as well and when you know when you were coming up as you know a fan and then also an aspiring professional like what was it about first appearances that attracted you to them it's
2: funny because that that the, the first appearances thing is something that is really uh come into its own right it it was always fun and a big deal but i think it's become a bigger deal and i i think miles morales may have had something to do with that because as you look at the comic collection collector market whether it's whether it's the actual comic itself or original art uh people are investing in first appearances now because because i i firmly believe it's direct it's directly affected or uh, by miles and and how that first appearance exploded and people are waiting for the next miles um but as as a reader uh i always love when new characters came in. I, I remember during the era that i was reading marvel introduced this and i knew nothing about it. i mean clearly it's a brand new character brand new book i had no idea but the cover looks so darn cool and the character I was so cool and it was adam warlock and i'm looking at this thing going I don't know who this character is. I honestly don't care. This artwork looks just freaking amazing. The same thing with Death Lock, and I remember all these first appearances when I was a kid thinking that uh, I just wanted to know who these new characters were in the Marvel Universe because I was so, so into it. Um, uh, again, it just, it, it just, it's, it's the fun part of, of, of being a part of a universe, whether you're into DC or Marvel or any of the others, is uh, the introduction of, of someone new and saying, like, okay, let's see how this character plays in and let's see if this character is actually interesting some someone that i'm going to care about moving forward
0: did you see joe as you progressed um in the field between art and writing that you know at some point maybe you said this is great i want to be just what i'm doing here but had you thought that you had aspirations of going you know to the editor to to higher positions or or what um, that wasn't,
2: no. I mean, I, 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 I would be lying to you if I, if I said yes. I mean, as a, as a kid growing up, I was in love with Stanley. I loved his soapboxes. I, I mean, I felt like he was talking directly to me. And it is, inspired me to write and draw stories and make up stories. I mean, he was, it was clear that, that, that he and his co-creators were, we're literally living in other worlds, other imaginary worlds, and as a kid, I wanted to live there too, and I wanted to do that. I never thought for a second that I would or I could, uh, sit in Stan's metaphorical chair, mm-hmm. so to speak, right? Being an editor was not, uh, was not on the bucket list. On the bucket list was, you know, uh, you, know, write comics, draw comics, uh, publish comics. Uh, and, and and really I I wanted to, 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 to direct film. I wanted to do something like that and, and comics was pretty close. Telling stories, you know, in pictures was, was very, very close to uh, film storyboarding and, 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 and directing film. Um, and I just gravitated towards that. I always loved to tell stories in, in any in any way, shape or form. I, I played music as well and you know, I look back on, on my catalogue of songs and every single one of them. Is a three act structure story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I didn't realize it back in, the, in that time period that I was really doing that habitually, um, but it just seems to be something that was in my DNA all the time.
0: Well, that would only make sense to have a three part, like you said. I'm and I'm thinking right away a beginning, a middle, and an end. Not like a meatloaf mm-hmm. song, Jim Steinman, and it's an operatic piece or something. You know,
2: right? Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, my, I think I think my lyrics were were tended to be more Billy joel than and. Than, than anything else, right? And Billy Joel tells great stories in his songs. Um, but I found that, that that that's what I've always managed to do, is just I'm just telling stories.
1: Now, in regards to telling stories, you're going to be doing some stuff very soon at the Distinguished Competition DC Comics, and obviously you're not privy to talk about much, but what can you talk about?
2: No, I mean, I, I could actually talk about all of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because because it, it's really, it's, it's what's been announced, Right. Um, I, I, you know, there, there, there are a few things, uh, gee, ima- imagine the press or social media getting it wrong. I don't know how this happens, but, uh, but number one, um, I, I am doing covers for DC, right? They, they asked and, uh, they asked if I'd like to do some Batman and, and I felt like that was a, a really unfinished business on, 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 my, you know, my side of the equation. I've always, I never got that, uh, opportunity to draw a lot of Batman outside of sort of Azrael. There are reasons for that, um, but I'm, I don't want to get into those. Uh, <laughs> there, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some covers for them. I, I may do a few other characters here and there. Um, and then the other thing I keep hearing is that I've retired. And it's like, no, that's not what I'm doing. I didn't retire. I'm probably working harder now than, than I have in a long, long time because I've, I've got a lot of things on my plate, including some Marvel stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you know, I, I haven't gone exclusive anywhere uh i'm looking to do some things that are very personal and 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 and, you know my own stories uh big surprise there right that that i might do something like that but but no that that, that's really the extent of it what what you've read is 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 what i'm doing um and i'm just going to try to create some really really cool batman imagery and we'll see what happens in the future but that's as far as uh that's as far as i know that's as far as what's on my drawing table or on my computer screen
1: when I was at uh, New York Comic Con I got to see you in Artist Alley talked to you for a little bit and then later that evening somebody goes oh you saw Cassada? you hear about you hear about him with DC Comics I'm like wait what he's like oh, he's joining DC I'm like wait seriously so like literally when I saw you I think it was like right after the announcement I'm like oh shit <laughs> so yeah that's the end of
2: that anecdote. yeah well you know it was uh, it was, it was a fun announcement it was fun to do the panel I, I told I told uh, Jim Lee when I it, it was the Jim Lee and Friends panel and when I got up on the on the uh, on the dais, uh, the first thing I could think of I was like, this feels kind of dirty. It feels kind of it feels kind of naughty. <laughs> but but it was in a good way, you know, not in a bad way. It's just uh, I don't think I've ever been on a DC panel in in, in my entire career. So uh, you know, it was it, it was it was it was weird, but it was fun. Um, and you know, I'm looking forward to, to to doing these covers. and like I said, I'm doing work at Marvel. I'm doing covers for a few other people here and there. Um, just trying to keep my hand in it while I'm uh, cooking some other stuff, which I cannot talk about. Mm-hmm. So there, there's the line.
0: Well, two things there. Um, we did see you, Joe. We hadn't met the two of us, Peter and I, had gone to and visited the Marvel offices uh, mm-hmm. when, with uh, as guests of Ryan Penagos. And I think you were, you know, just in your in your office. You were point.
1: drawing. I remember that. I'm like, oh wow, yeah. he's drawing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> As we kept... and he, said that, yeah,
2: yeah, no, he the, said, that alive. Yeah, no, he said...
0: in the office. Yeah, Ryan said, you know what? We're not going to bother Joe. We're just going to keep walking or whatever. And I was like, I no, can't. I do want to bother him. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was like, I
1: want to meet him. Because every time I've had an opportunity to meet you, like, something would happen. A security guard, like, ran in front of me after the uh, cup of Joe. I'm like, oh.
2: That's on purpose, by the way.
1: Yes, that's that you're yeah. Oh,
0: The other thing, too, Joe, I'm thinking, how do you structure your typical work day? whether it's during the week, any other weekend stuff? Do you say, you know what, I'm going to set aside this block of time to do X, Y, and Z, or I don't know if that fluctuates. Yeah, I mean,
2: I I do my best to try to structure my day like that. Um, Inevitably, something derails it, so the days never turn out 100% as I want it. You know, so uh, currently right now, now that – I'm not involved with Marvel day-to-day stuff, so they're not like you know the, the 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 occasional hand grenade that gets thrown through email and saying, "Oh my God, we've got to deal with this thing." Right? So the structures become a little bit easier. What I have to manage is that now I am dealing with several different vendors at one time, right? Marvel, DC, some others, as well as stuff that I want to do with myself. So, so you know, my my mornings consist of a uh, I, you know, I, I'm probably up by six. I'm at the drawing table by 6:30 because um, you know it only takes 30 minutes to get you know this package looking good, right? Uh, so I'm at the drawing table by 6:30 with my coffee. I, I probably take the first 30 minutes to, to take care of emailing clerical stuff that I got to do, and then uh, I either start writing. Or drawing, depending on what's the next thing that I've got to do. Then I generally have a two-hour Zoom meeting with uh, a collaborator I'm working on, working with on a project, uh, and that's every day, Monday through Fridays. Uh, and that takes place early in the morning, probably nine to eleven, sometimes eight thirty to ten thirty. Um, but it's it's the best way that we know how to work uh, since we're not in the same place. Uh, And then the rest of the day is just, well, do I have to finish any sort of writing or do I have to draw, right? And and, and that could be digital or analog depending on what the the piece is. So um, I have a schedule right now, you know, it's just literally a a sheet in front of me that says this is due, this is due, and the basic is due, and that's how I'm hitting it. Um, And then, you know, if there's conventions and things, just carving out that time. So, you know, the structure stuff is actually a little bit easier now that I'm not – doing the sort of day-to-day work for a company. Um, But it's a little more manic because now I'm dealing with several different people that, you know, need stuff for me. And Um, and deadlines. All all of it at the end of the day, uh, it's the greatest job in the world. You know, I can never complain. And the fact that I'm busy is just, uh, makes me happier
0: than anything. And if you you don't know, in all honesty, if you don't know the answer to this question, you can say, look, I just, Eddie, I can't tell you, but... uh, does DC offer tours to their office, and if so, do they issue lanyards that you can actually keep?
2: <laughs> oh, geez. I I don't know. I haven't been to the DC offices since they moved. I I have no idea. You know, I have been uh, I have been working with DC remotely, with the exception of New York Comic Con, where I saw them for a bit because if you also know that I got COVID at the convention, so mm-hmm. I had to bail. Um, but uh, but no, I have no idea. I have no idea. And the fact that you're acting is really creepy. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we're just getting past the Halloween season. That's kind of my jam. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah,
2: sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what I what I was going to ask is, with the Cup of Joes and the, you know, the drink and draws, I love seeing those things. And mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier about the whole, you know, you were doing a DC panel and you felt kind of naughty doing it. But it's funny, like, you're like the middle of everything where you can get everybody to show up no matter what you did something with Dan Dedio you did one with you know hey bud Todd McFarlane and it's like mm-hmm. it's insane how you were able to pull those things off
2: well you know I, I don't know if I pulled them off but you know it's 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 nice to know people speak to me uh, <laughs> I'm sure by the way the people that won't speak to me you haven't seen me do anything any sort of shows with right so it's it's hard it's hard to really you know gauge in that sense but uh, no, I mean, Those things are, are fun to do. We're all in the same industry, and we're, you know, even we competing against each other. You know, most of us, when we see each other at, at conventions, at, at you know, at uh, post-conventions gathering, uh, it's always it's always relatively friendly. So uh, that's not hard to do. Um, and I love doing panels, and I love doing interviews and things like that. So uh, you know, and I'll probably do more down the road in the future. Right now, I'm currently trying to. Off of social as much as possible because I want to get as much work done as possible. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in regards to Cup of Joes, will we be seeing any more of those? And as a matter of fact, will we be like maybe getting like a bigger cup of them, like you know, maybe like a thermos?
2: You know, I, again, I, I, I hope so. Um, I don't know if I'll call them Cup of Joe. I think Cup of Joe uh, is synonymous in the Marvel sense. I think I might, you know, rebranded something new down the road, whether that takes place, you know, as as a convention panel or whether it takes place uh, as something online. But uh, my gut right now, I haven't made a decision yet, my gut right now tells me that Cup of Joe should uh, be retired as as we move on to clear thing, so to speak.
0: Joe, Q&A. There you go. You know... That is pretty good.
2: Don't uh, listen. <laughs>
0: All right, I'm not going to tip my hat. I'm
2: not going to tip my hand. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. Just, just, I'm going to leave what you said right there.
0: That's I'm fine. Right there. That's yeah, absolutely so. fine. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any things, Joe, that if uh, given your, you know, if you had free reign or whatever, it's characters or whatever that you'd like to uh, work on, if it's in the realm of possibility?
2: Um, you know, maybe. Uh, I, I hate saying
0: stuff like that out loud because
2: inevitably then somebody calls me up and says, hey, we heard you want to draw X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be like, yeah, but I can't do it. So so right now, um, my, my, my cup brother's running over. Uh, I just got an email today from, from from someone asking if I'd like to draw a character that I absolutely love and I'm looking at my schedule and I absolutely can't. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's going to hurt to say I can't do it, but I don't, you know, I just don't want to overcommit, especially when, you know, knowing that there's some stuff that's my own that I want to do, uh, you know, there comes a point where I, where I'm, where I need to stop doing stuff that, uh, as a fan, I love, and it, but it belongs to other people, and start thinking about, you know, okay, time to shut that spigot off and start the other one, which is the stuff hmm. that's mine. So, um, and, and you know, I'm getting very close to that point.
0: But Joe, it's Ambush Bug. <laughs> no <laughs> stepped away from that one mm-hmm. yeah well it's great to hear that you're still and continue to be busy it's not a retirement like you said it's just maybe shifting gears another chapter finishing one going to the next however you want to call it and we're very uh grateful that you could divulge what you could to us well
2: thank you i mean i i see i see it more along the lines of just going back to where i came from um you know I, i've been uh I uh, described it to a, to a friend, and I've said it in a couple of places where uh, I've, been, I've been married creatively for a very, very, very long time to Marvel. Um, and I loved my time there, and I loved the people there. And I, and I, it, was, it was a time of my life. Um, and, but now I want to play a little creative tinder. Uh, <laughs> and, and so that's kind of where I am. I just, I'm, just, I'm just having a blast working with other people uh and uh and then working my way to the stuff that you know has been percolating you know for for a long time uh in my head that uh that I want to sort of unleash on the world and sink or swim it'll be fun to do
0: but you never ever once thought in your character title whatever that you were the equivalent some way of J Jonah jameson right uh
2: no no why, why would I think that <laughs> I always thought that was Stan. Wasn't teacherization Stan's sort of uh, uh, analog, in a way? Mm
1: -hmm. Now, in in regards to, you know, you you mentioned just the whole moving to D.C. kind of thing. What I love about that is it's still, whenever a creator moves from one company to the other, it's a big deal. You know, when uh, John Romita Jr. went over to D.C., Mm. Explosions, Bendis, explosions, you explosions. It's cool to see that, and I love that. You know, it's almost like I don't like tribalism with the comic industry, but at the same mm. time, it's so cool to see like so many people get you know passionate or upset or this or that about something, and yeah. it's it's like sports teams in a way too. You know?
2: Yeah, and I I think I think that uh, those announcements have become bigger over time because. You know, companies started to sign up talent exclusively, right? It was like an arms race uh, where people were, were, were signed up and then would do long, long runs uh, at you know Marvel or DC. So, so the idea of seeing them work, draw, write other characters uh, is, is very, very rare. So when it happens, it's like, whoa, right? Um, which I think is cool. I mean, I, again, I, I remember back in the day, there, you know, most, you know, when I was reading comics, and most creators were bouncing back and forth, uh, with the exception of like, you know, when, when Kirby was a Marvel guy, but it was an explosion when he went to DC because he was unthinkable, unthinkable, um, and then he came back and it was great again. So uh, it does happen. I think it's just a matter of how long someone's been with the other side, so to speak. Um, but it's fun. You know, I, again, I, I, it, 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 the, the funny thing about it is that uh, Marie Javins was a Marvel person, right? Uh, Jim Lee, of course, a Marvel person. And Ben Abernathy was an editor that started at Marvel right when I was editor-in-chief. So, so he's the Batman editor. So he's the one who reached out to me about, you know, eventually about uh, coordinating these covers. So it's, it's, uh, I'm still working with people that I know and I've known for a very, very long time. Uh, we're, we're, again, we're all part of the comic book family. Uh, we're just working for with uh, different flags flying over. So, cool. and
1: and you get to keep working with Chip Zadarsky. Uh,
2: <laughs> Chip Zadarsky, <sighs> seriously.
1: All right, we're going to wrap this episode. up.
2: There's history there, uh, you know. And and we are we are both under gag orders. We are never to discuss it. It's a legal thing. So. Mm-hmm. The best I could do is say,
0: Chip Zdarsky. And very well said, too.
2: Yeah. And
0: um, he'll love that we're closing
2: this, naming him, you know, several times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, personally, I think you should at least, you know, do a little bit of a guest speaking on one of his uh, chip classes. I think that'd be fantastic, you know.
2: Um, no, no. It's a restraining order.
0: A <laughs> hundred yards. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I won't tell you who, on who, but there is.
1: I have a good impression of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Joe, thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It was fun.
1: And before we go, how can people get a hold? Of, I know you said you're on a little bit of a sabbatical from it, but how can people get a hold of you on social yeah. media
2: when you're well, on there? I, well, I'll be honest. I, 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 you know, I, I don't try to go crazy on social media. Right? I, I, I think it's, it's time suck, and, and I think uh you know, I, I, I love to talk to creators about this because by, my feeling is always that it, it, it very rarely affects, you know, your sales. Or I don't see creators actually using it in a way that affects sales. So, But you can find me, uh, Joe out on Twitter, Joe out on Facebook, Joe out on Instagram. Uh, I think I'm on Tumblr, too. So uh, pretty easy to find. Um, so, you know, just chat me up there. I'm always there. Well, I'm, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't post all the time but I do check my social in the morning and before I go to bed. So there you have it. I do look at it every day.
1: I did see you on Facebook the other day, resharing that uh, screenshot from Google where your last name was spelled as quesadilla.
2: Oh, is that great? <laughs> that was awesome. That That's actually, that's actually on the DC, uh, 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 DC wiki page um, where they, where they uh, spelled my name quesadilla. And uh, I was going to, I was going to reach out to Ben and have him correct it. I haven't yet. I just think, Let it lay. It's really fun.
0: (laughs) It's an alternate thing like the Peter Porker or maybe uh, it could be a Captain Carrot thing and his amazing zoo crew. I don't
2: know. Maybe. Maybe. I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But but I I have a feeling it was probably uh, a spell check gone wrong or autocorrect gone wrong, and they just didn't reread it. So uh, I haven't checked to see if it's been fixed, but I I just posted it on, you know, I think I shared it on Facebook and said this is the greatest thing ever. So. It is a delicious um, mistake. What was that? It is a
1: very delicious mistake. It's unbelievably it, oh, delicious, yes. Yeah. Which 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 uh, is your
0: which is your preferred quesadilla, by the way?
2: Uh, chicken. Good. Good man.
0: There you go. Thank you so much, Joe, for all your work, all these years, and congrats and good luck with what's ahead with DC. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it.
1: For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Joe Casada. And I'm Eddie Wilson.
0: Excelsior!